Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network, now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. The AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California, and streaming live on Ustream. This is AfterBuzz TV for American Horror Story. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest American Horror Story news and gossip. If you'd like to buzz in on tonight's show, you can buzz us at 424-256-1729. That's 424-256-1729. And now, picking up where the show leaves off, and the buzz continues, it's AfterBuzz TV for American Horror Story! Hello, hello, welcome to AfterBuzz TV for American Horror Story Season 1, Episode 3, Murder House, aired Wednesday night, October 19th. I am your host, Billy Nellis, joined, as always, with the lovely David Schifoletti. Hello! Hello, everybody. So I'm digging this music, yeah. Jesse. Spooky, spooky in house. All right, <laughs> so we're back for our weekly therapy session. Yes, we had we another are. intense hour with the Harmon family. You, we did, and you know, I'm glad I'm not as on edge as I was last week yeah. after this episode because last week it took me a really long time to get back to normal <laughs> to recover, and this week I. I loved the episode, but it just, you know, it wasn't as scary, which I'm kind of happy about. Right. Well, we talked about it last week, and I want to, I think for a couple of weeks, we should still keep bringing it up. You know, we talked about in our first episode how great the pilot was, but our main concern was sustainability. Right. And last week, we we were happy with last week's. Last week was great. It was almost scarier than the pilot. Our our fears were sort of at bay for the moment. So now that we've seen week three, we're seeing has, how the story's progressing. Do we think we're still on course for a really great season? That they know what they're doing and they're going to take us somewhere incredible? I think we're beyond that point, you know what Good. I mean? Like, I think the show, they have shown us already, the producers and Ryan Murphy and everybody working on the show have shown us as viewers and fans of the show that it doesn't have to be about being scary each week. It doesn't have to be about getting all jumpy. And they don't need the surprises, like the big stereotypical surprises right. that you would find in a horror film to keep this going. Right. And definitely this week was a little... There were still some jumpy moments. There were, for sure. N- not nearly as many as as uh, Home Invasion last week. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank God. But so this week we... Got a lot of... This week was really an origin story. I think that's what Ryan Murphy was calling it in all of his interviews. And I think that that definitely makes sense. We got an origin story basically of the house. We were taken through sort of the initial homeowners. And we we got to witness that. And we also kind of got an origin story or sort of a peek into Constance and Moira. And Mm -hmm. their... What seeming to be an eternal struggle um, between the two of them. (laughs) Um, and we also saw the continuation of Ben's storyline with his mistress Hayden, which we thought was sort of put to bed last week, and this week it uh, it was not. Um, so it was it was a lot of I think backstory that was important. And I, th- necessary. I think we needed it, right. and despite the fact that it wasn't, you know, the scariest episode in the world, it does give us a lot of things that we still needed to find out about the history of the house and the history of the owners. And I think despite the fact that they piqued us and they like gave us like little bits here and there of what was going on previously, but they haven't revealed everything. Like we got to meet the original owners of the house and sort of see what was going on there, but we still don't know everything. Right. 
And the same thing with Moira and Constance. We still don't know the entire story. Right. But what I liked about it was it it still is kind of, like you said, we don't get the entire story, but there's an understanding that there is an entire story. Exactly. Which is what I like, that it seems like this isn't, they're not just writing as they go, which in stories with such huge mythology, or TV shows with such huge mythologies, it sometimes feels like they're just writing from the cuff and making things up as right. they go along. And it seems like this show, they have They really seem to have, outlined they it. have it planned out. They're, they yeah. know this history. So I want, I want to start our discussion with um, Vivian's storyline this week, yes. because she was mostly tied into the history of the house that we learned. Mm-hmm. Um, we see Vivian, um, she's out in the yard, you know, she wants to get out of this house, she wants to get out. They want, she wants to move. We saw that last week. I mean, who wouldn't want to get right. out? After, <laughs> after being Not only one murder happened, but two. You've learned two murders have happened, and one of them brought you almost to the brink of death. Right. Right. It's time to leave. So she wants to leave, and, and Ben tells her, our money's tied up in this house. We have nowhere to go until we can sell it. So she, you know, we see her meet with the, the realtor, and I, that was a great scene because for me it was like, a continuation of this backbone that we're seeing Vivian grow, which I don't think she had before she came into this house. I think it's, it was really great to see her stand up for herself and know what she wants, but I just don't understand what she thinks is going to happen. They just moved across the country. Right. I don't understand why she doesn't realize that it's you've uprooted your entire life across the country. Where do you think the money is coming from? Like, you're not going to be able to move immediately. I know that you'd want to get out. I personally would be on the first train out of L.A. if that ever happened to me. But at this point, it's sort of like you have to roll with the punches. Do your history on what's happened in the house and just learn to deal with it for now at least. Right. And so we see her, unfortunately, she doesn't actively take the opportunity to learn about the house, but it's sort of thrust upon her later in the episode when she's out pruning the roses because that's what she should be doing at this time in her life. (laughs) I think (laughs) what she was doing was getting flowers for open houses. Ah, you're right. That's what I think she was doing. Because she did talk to the realtor about like baking cookies and getting expensive flower bouquets and tell people how lovely the house is, how great the neighbors are. You're right. Despite the fact that that might be a lie. (laughs) Right. So she's out there, and this this bus tour, the Eternal Darkness tour, which they do have, right in L.A. Yes, you can take a, I think it's called the Murder House Tours. I think it or something, or like, something that. like that, and you can tour like all the places where all the famous murders in L.A. have happened. Yeah, and you can see like the Manson House and stuff like that. It's really, really creepy. Really creepy. But so they pull up on Vivian, and she's sort of stunned that she is in the yard when this is happening and people are photographing her. And then we see her on the tour and she's learning the history of the house. And this is the first time she's learning about, and we're learning about the initial inhabitants, the people who built the house. And it's the Montgomery family who moved from the East coast. It was a doctor and his sort of, uh, socialite wife. Mm-hmm. He built this house for her. And we learn this creepy backstory between, or excuse me, with the Montgomery family, where he's fallen on, the doctor's fallen on his times and he develops this Frankenstein complex and we see him in the basement sewing. I don't even know what those wings were. I think they were bat wings. They looked really large. There can be like a gigantic bat with huge wings. I guess so. It's very possible. I've never seen a bat in real life that close. So I've seen bats, but not that big. Those are big wings. Or maybe it was a really little pig. (laughs) So the wings look like dwarfed. A yes, a teacup, teacup pig. I think the important thing, though, about the doctor is n- not necessarily his Frankenstein complex. I think that is really important as well. But that he was a surgeon, right? And I think that's going to come into play. And I do think that the Frankenstein complex is going to come into play as of well. Of course, yeah. Because we, so we see him. His his wife Nora comes down. It's harping on him about being late for dinner, and we can instantly tell that they're the. The f- hard times this couple has fallen on is ripping them apart. Right. Which seems to be a con- uh, a theme with people who move into this house from what we've learned. Everyone seems to have A relationship falls apart. With money, too. Right. There's money issues. There's... And there's love lost. There's, right. So she... There at, <laughs> <laughs> this house was built on a black hole of love. <laughs> well, what's interesting is... It was the house built on a black hole, or are we going to come to find out that this Montgomery couple and all of their issues 
are what propagates everything else to happen in the house, which I think is going to be something to watch for, right. is how much this couple plays into what the house does. Right. Um, so they're at they're at dinner, and they're miserable. They're having dinner, and there's their baby is there, which I instantly took note of what the baby was wearing. Which I did not even notice initially until you pointed it out, right. and it freaked me out. The baby is wearing the same sort of Easter baptism dress. It looks like a christening gown. Right. That the creepy basement thing is wearing in episode one. Right. So that shot off alarms in my head that something happened with this baby. Or something going to happen with this baby. Right. Depending on which perspective you're looking at it. Right. So they've fallen on hard times and Nora explains to her husband that she's arranged for a down-on-her-luck girl to come by the house with $60 which we all know what that meant Essentially, in the 20s. Essentially, they're going to start they're going to start performing basement abortions. Yeah, illegal abortions. Right. And we hear before Vivian has to leave the tour that they went through two dozen the surgeon worked on two dozen girls before the grisly finale in 1926, which we still haven't we don't know. Found which out was what definite happened. a teaser, so I'm positive we're going to go back to that at some point. I mean, I hope so. <laughs> what this finale was. I hope they don't, like, tease us with a grisly finale, which might have spearheaded the entire evilness of this home and And then not tell us what it is. Well, and I think that our... Nora coming back into the storyline, as she does, we see her come into the house posing as a... um, Prospective buyer. Right. And is taken on a tour um, by Vivian and... um, First, we're unsure of what, if this woman is a ghost or what this is, because she's just looking at us, but she's very aware of everything. Well, yeah, I mean, the doctor built the house for her, especially. she's recognizing the type of wood, the crystal, everything. The chandeliers. And it becomes very evident that she is a ghost the minute she enters the kitchen and freaks out at the modernization of the kitchen. She wants to get rid of anything. She would want to get rid of any appliance that is modern. So we come to understand that this is definitely Nora's ghost. Right. Especially when we catch the back of her head, and there's this giant, <laughs> like, Hole. festering gash in the back of her head, like an axe was like taken to the back of her head or something. Ooh, and then she like instantly, and then she vanishes. Now, I don't understand. For me, like, obviously, when when you're watching a horror film, you have to. There's like certain things you just have to accept, right? But. Of all the things for Vivian to, for this woman to just disappear, and Vivian, like, is like, oh. And then never mentions to anybody that, oh, this woman came to look at the house. Oh, I never and the minute I turned my back that. to give her tea, she was gone. It's so silly to me. Like, that was the one thing I was like, oh, really? Somebody would say something about that. I did not least. even think about that. The fact that she never brought it up with her husband. Right. Or the realtor. Or to, to anybody. She Nobody. Just, except, oh, she left. Ran out the back door. Like, <laughs> what did she think? I don't oh, know, Vivian. But so we see, um, you know, we see Vivian and Violet go to tour an apartment. It's a very short scene. Really, the only thing we really got out of Violet this week. But very poignant for right. her character, I think. Right. Violet doesn't want to leave the house. Violet is attached. She's found an attachment, maybe because of Tate. I'm assuming that has a great deal to do with it. I think that has a huge part to do with it. But she is attached, and she essentially puts out an ultimatum and tells Vivian, if we move here, I will find, I will run away, and I know how to, so you can never find me. Right. Like, if you come here, you're coming without me. Not what you'd so. expect from your, your teenage daughter. <laughs> yeah. So Vivian's kind of... I think at the end of that, I felt like she she's still set on leaving, but she doesn't... I, I felt like she's still going to go. Like she's, she's, Oh, I think she's going. Yeah. One way or another, she's leaving that house. Right. I'm almost saying it's to the point where she doesn't care if her daughter comes with her. <laughs> she's, just, <laughs> she's like, all right, I'm leaving. You can stay in the if house. you like it, stay. <laughs> Be my guest. Also, she's moving against the warnings of her doctor. Right. Her doctor tells her, you can't move. Right. You can't go through a divorce right now. You can't do anything. No more stress. You can't stress yourself out when you're already spotting so early on in your pregnancy right so she doesn't it's really 
spelled out how badly she wants out of there. You know, she, her daughter will run away and she kind of doesn't care. Her doctor said, you could lose this kid again. She really doesn't care. Right. She's so, and understandably, so freaked that she's right. like, this is more stress than any of that would be, I think, is sort of her rationale, is that this mm. terrifying house will probably kill the baby before <laughs> any of these other things do. And the best part is, is that Every day she has to listen to that eternal darkness tour come by her house because she's the finale. They leave that house for the last thing. Right. So it's a constant reminder. A constant reminder of the fact that she is living in a home where numerous murders have happened and she still has no idea right. what actually happened in there. Right. And speaking of numerous murders that have happened, there yes. was a fresh one. This week, well, two, but one in our current timeline, fresh. Right. I was like, hmm, two (laughs) murders. What happened this week? Was I watching the same episode? Our first one we'll talk about is with, you know, our storyline with Ben and Hayden. Yes. Hayden comes back, and she kind of revealed what I thought all along last week, what we sort of discussed, whether she'd actually gone through with the abortion, because Ben didn't stick around in, in Boston to see if that had happened because of the home invasion. So he left and didn't even leave word. And she, Hayden is back and she's pissed. Right. And she reveals to she's Ben. She's a psycho. She <laughs> reveals to Ben that she didn't go through with the abortion. Or so she says. At this point, who can really believe what Hayden says? Right. I mean, she tells him that she didn't go through the abortion then, that he has to support her. Right. Right. Like, woman, you're crazy. She's a lunatic. She's absolutely <laughs> out of her mind. You know, she, she wants to tell Vivian she thinks that they need to do that. She wants to do that together. She's nuts. She's totally And whoever, bonkers. who even knows if she ever was really pregnant to exactly. begin with? Exactly. She could have made that whole thing up as well. I mean... Right. Insane. So, Hayden's nuts. If you have any thoughts on Hayden, give us a call. <laughs> 424-256-1729. Yes. So crazy Hayden, Ben finds a way to get rid of her. Gets her to leave. <laughs> Goes to Norm's. Well, it tells her he's going to meet her at Norm's tomorrow. <laughs> oh, he does? Yeah. I thought she, w- she like, went to Norm's and was there for the rest of the day. Yeah. No, he did say, well, let's meet, let's meet tomorrow. Because she's not as crazy yet or as unhinged yet as she is in her second, the second true. time he sees her. It's very true. So she's not, I mean, she's still out of her mind, but she hasn't t- totally fallen off the deep end yet. So Ben says, well, I'll meet you tomorrow. We'll go to lunch. I have something to do today. Just gets rid of her. Oh, because the detective shows up. I'm forgetting. Ben sees his... his, Finally sees a new client, Mm -hmm. a new patient. This woman who's so boring. We think it puts Ben to sleep. I honestly thought at this point, from when he met his new patient, who's like boring everybody to tears, which the detective talked about as well, how everyone that he spoke to about this woman said that she was the most boring woman on earth. No one really missed her. No one really missed her. But I thought he fell asleep and the rest of the episode was a dream. Really? Literally. I was like, this is all a dream. He's going to wake up and she's still going to be talking about nonsense. (laughs) Nope. 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 I was wrong. (laughs) So he wakes up in the backyard with blood on his hands. Right. And doesn't know what he's done. Doesn't know what this blood is from. Is unsure of what has happened. Goes inside and sees Moira cleaning blood. Very nonchalant about it. Very nonchalant. Like, I'm cleaning up your mess. It's yeah, not mine. I'm cleaning up your mess. Um, and then she says, your next victim, I mean patient, is here. Which turns out to be Hayden. Right. But so she sort of... At this point, we're unsure of how much Moira knows as to what Ben has done. Right, and she's sort of fueling the fire by telling him your next victim. Oh, I mean patient. Right. And so this continually throughout the episode is happening to Ben. He keeps falling asleep and waking up. Or blacking out. Whatever's happening, he finds himself coming to in the backyard with a shovel in his hand repeated times. Right. And he's digging. And he doesn't know what he's digging for, but he's just digging. Mm-hmm. And he starts to go on a rampage because he cannot find his his tape recorder because he wants to know what happened in the in the meeting with his new patient because he doesn't remember how it ended and he can't find it and he's convinced that Moira has taken it from him and Moira doesn't let him plays along almost is like dragging him along coy, coyly playing with him. 
to make him think, does she have it? Does she not? I put it down the front of my dress. Why don't you reach for it? Slut. So she's playing some <laughs> games, and we don't know what sort of game Moira is playing at this point. But she not clearly has point. an agenda, yeah, which we come sure. to find out later. But we're still, we're, every time Moira is with him, because she is her younger self, there's always an agenda behind what she's doing. Right. Whereas I don't think there's an agenda when Moira is her older self. As much. I think there is still an agenda as older Moira. I just think it's not as overtly shown. I think older Moira is a little bit more subtle with what she wants. And because younger Moira has like a, a way with with words <laughs> and her body language. <laughs> All kinds of language. All Moira kinds speaks. of language. The language of love. But so it kind of feels like the world is closing in for Ben. He has a client mi- or a patient missing. Mm-hmm. He can't find a his new tape patient. Recorder, a new patient he, who he desperately needs because, as he mentions in the beginning, he's not getting very many patients. Right. So money he desperately needs. This cl- patient's gone missing. The police are actively looking for her. She, he was the last person to see her. So he's clearly on a sort of, even though the detective didn't seem so suspicious, there's still sort of that fear right. that it could turn into that. His tape recorder was missing. He doesn't really know what he did. He woke up with blood after speaking with her, so he doesn't know if he played a part in her being missing. Right. And on top of that, he has his crazy mistress coming back to town, screaming about having not gotten the abortion that she said she would, and wants to have a kid and make him financially support the kid. And well, he should be financially supporting the child if she d- is pregnant, right. I think, but support her and get her an apartment in Marina Del Rey. <laughs> Give me a break. Get your own damn apartment in K-Town. Right. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But so, really, everything's closing in on him. And he... He also keeps waking up in the backyard with a shovel. Right, right. (laughs) So, he finally, he's at the doctor with, with Vivian after she does have her spotting incident. And he passes out. He, it's finally, I felt like that was the point where just like everything was too much. Now he can't move. Now his wife could be sick again. That's just one more thing mm-hmm. that's on Ben's list. And he just drops to the floor in the doctor's office. And he comes to, and the doctor's like, I want to do an EKG. I want to take some blood, but you can, you guys can go. But she runs these tests Which first. is very weird of an OBGYN to be like, <laughs> I'm going to do an EKG on you and draw some blood. But in the TV land, she in can do TV it all. land, it's fine. Right. So Ben, after this, he's out running, and we see he's in the same park that he was the last time he was out running. Check, he was not running. He was, he was sort of, speed walking. Right. He's a little tired this week. <laughs> okay. He so definitely... He's got the world on his shoulder. <laughs> like a 90-year-old woman speed walking <laughs> through MacArthur been, like, Park. At, like, the Beverly Center. I he's, know, like, right? mall walking, <laughs> not jogging. They could have at least had him jogging. But so he's at the same park, and his good friend Larry, who's just hanging out, he's, like, the Larry urchin the in the park, victim. comes back and starts going on about how he wants to be an actor and this very weird dialogue that he has about how he, he hits, so strange. hits Ben up for money, wants $1,000 from him for headshots. Out of nowhere. Hey, I need $1,000. Right. And so I'm going to be an actor. Ben shuts him down, um, kind of just shuts him down and sort of explains to him the situation that's going on, that he has too much going on right now. And which I, it was weird the way he felt he needed to justify I know. That. It seems like to me every time he meets with Larry or Larry just happens to upon Ben, right. wherever Ben is, whenever he's not at the house, he seems to divulge so much information to this stranger Right. Who used to live in your house and is a murderer. Right. <laughs> An ex-con. But he seems to also figure things out for himself. Like, he puts puzzle pieces together right. when he's with Larry. Right. So I find it very... It's interesting. Interesting. It's, it's, in trying to figure out who Larry is and what Larry's existence means. Right. The way that we see him with Ben and the way that Ben... How Ben reacts towards him and what he does is giving me some sort of ideas, which we'll get to later, Okay. as to who Larry, I think, is. But it, I think it's interesting just to see what... Because I don't think Ben is like that with anybody else. And it's no. so strange that he's like that with this creepy, strange man. Well, I mean, it's sort of like Larry's, in some respects, like, stalking him. Right. But at this point, 
Larry is technically his only ally. Right. Or so we think. Or so we think. Right. So Ben goes home and he's digging again, wakes up digging again, and this time Constance finds him. And Constance talks some talk about how nothing can be planted in the yard and it should be just concreted over that the, there were so many pesticides you'll never get anything out of this this grass. Right. And so Ben sort Very of tricky. just... Right. Ben sort of just shrugs her off and right. lets her speak and do her thing. Um, and all of a sudden, steamrolling, everything starts to come into play. All these things start to make... Not make sense, but start to reveal themselves to Ben. The detective comes back and has his tape recorder, explains that the patient took it with her that when he f- fell asleep, she thought he was reacting the way everybody else does about how boring she is and slits her wrists where the blood came from. But she did try and commit suicide somewhere else, and that's how they found her, but it took the time. Because she was found in a sanitarium without an ID. Right. So he knows mm-hmm. he hasn't done anything to the woman. Right. The cop thinks he's a jerk, though. Right. Because- it doesn't cost anything to be an asshole. Right. Which is true. Right. But so now he knows, okay, I didn't do anything to this woman. I wasn't a great doctor, but at least I didn't kill her like maybe I thought I did or hurt her like I thought I did. So that's down. But then we get the return of Hayden. And Hayden is pissed because she's been waiting for three hours at Norm's. Which, if you've ever been to a Norm's, (laughs) is like hell on earth. It is where... All the people, everybody goes to oh, die. We're going to get hate mail from Norm's <laughs> we fans. We are going to get hate mail from Norm's fans. But you know what? Norm's has good breakfast deals. Let's just say that. Sorry, there's a hair on my microphone. I was trying to get it up. So Hayden is livid, and she's screaming through the house, screaming for Vivian. Luckily, Vivian's gone, touring that apartment at, conveniently at the same time. So screaming for Vivian. I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant, freaking out. Ben finally calms her down. Says, you know what? We'll go somewhere. Let's let's go and talk about this. Let's go get you some food. She says, I don't want to go to the norms again. And he's like, we don't have to go there again. We'll go somewhere else. And so they're walking outside, and he's really calmed her down. And she's like, Oh, good. I want a big juicy. And then she gets a big juicy smack in the face with a shovel. With a shovel. Larry's waiting in the yard and continues to bash her face in. He goes, Oh, she's not dead yet. Right. <laughs> Just beats her to death. Beats her face in. And dispatches of Hayden. Right. And he tells Ben, now your problems are all are all gone. You haven't killed anybody yet. Because he's in he's already an ex con, he's already killed right. three people and he's and he not going go back, back to jail of because cancer. of brain cancer. So I mean, why not? Right. You know, he has nothing to lose. And so he tells Ben that he'll get rid of the body. He doesn't want Ben to be in any way connected. To the situation. Which is very nice of him. Even though, I mean, he really is, because if she ever were to be found with carrying his baby, I mean, let's be honest, there'd still be some suspicion on Ben. Well, yeah, I mean, he has probable cause. Right. But there's these convenient holes that Larry finds in the yard. (laughs) He's like, oh, look, you've already started digging right here. It's a nice size hole. And and buries her for Ben. And so for the time being, Hayden's kaput. And I say for the time being, because I have a feeling that Hayden isn't as gone Hayden as... Hayden will be back. Right. Hayden will be back. And I think what's important about that, which will take us into our next topic, is that when Larry digs the hole deeper, he does find... Another body. Another skeleton. Right. Human skeleton. Some remains. Some remains. Right. And... So it seems like these bodies are getting, people are being, are trapped, which leads us into who we know is trapped. Right. Our dear friend Moira, who I'm coming to love, actually. I feel really? so, I feel so, I, after my this heart episode, breaks for her. I agree. I feel bad for her after this episode, but She's I feel bad for Moira. Character. Me too. I love her. I'm obsessed with her. I'm obsessed with her and I'm obsessed with Constance and Violet. Um, I feel bad for Moira when she was actually alive, not this Moira that we know. Okay. I think the Moira that we know is completely unjustified in anything that she does. Right. And we'll get to that. 
All right. So our our show opened this week in 1983, as we seem to be getting a prologue every week. Mm-hmm. Which um, I love. And this time, rather than it being just some sort of random homicide or something like it's been the last two weeks, it actually is a scene containing Constance and Moira at a time when it turns out Constance was actually living in the house. Right. And we see Moira as her younger self, and this man sort of forces himself upon her, and she's actually trying to fight back. And it seems that they've had sex before, and she says that she doesn't want it again, that she was weak. Um, but she is overpowered. And while she's essentially being raped, Constance comes walking down the hall with a gun and fires a warning shot off and then fires one directly into her eye. Which I was like shock face. <laughs> That's how I can explain it. Like, if she didn't know about the previous extramarital affairs that her husband was having with the housekeeper and then just randomly shoots her in the eye. Right. While you walked in on her getting raped, like, heartless, heartless woman. It seemed to be in the dialogue that Constance had with her husband before she also murdered him that she was aware of things. Because she said, that's the last time you're going to do this to me. I've loved you for 16 years, or since I was 16, um, and really, and shoots him, and then sort of falls apart. And can we talk about how drop-dead gorgeous Jessica Lang looked in that scene? Like Those effects are really great. Hearing about that they were going to be doing that... Incredible. ...to sort of Benjamin Button backwards age her, I was a little worried about how it would turn out, because it's a TV budget, it's not, right. you know... It's not a, major a multi-million picture. dollar budget for an episode. Right. But she looked... So they did a great job with that. Insanely young. Yeah. Not to say that she looks old for her age, but she looked incredible. Right. So we... So we finally have an answer to the line from the first episode that was sort of our biggest... The media sing when Constance said, don't make me kill you again. And we all sat there with shock face (laughs) and was like, what does that mean? Now, are you, I want to know your take. Are you happy that we found out so early or do you wish that that sort of had been teased out a little longer? I'm, I'm happy as like a viewer to have found out so early on that what had happened to Moira, but I do wish now, knowing what I know, I wish they would have dragged it out a little longer. Are you surprised at how early it came? I am. I'm, I'm I actually am shocked. at how early it came. I would have preferred, like, had this episode focused more on what we're seeing on the screen right now, which is the Nora and... And Charles. Charles storyline. I would have loved to have seen a lot more of this. And I think we will. We definitely will get more of that. I just, you know... I was, I was they, only... they did it, and they'll, they have a reason for doing it, and so we'll have to wait to see like what happens next. Right. But we'll see. Maybe there's more to the story that we don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm almost certain there's more, but I was surprised, too, that it came out so early. Just because for the sheer, I mean, you know, having watched TV for so long and, and loving these sorts of shows with such a mythology that mm-hmm. spells out for you, you don't usually get answers that quickly. No, you don't. And so that's why it's surprising, and it, it does feel sort of gratifying as a viewer to feel like, okay, this show is going to give me answers. They're not just going to throw these things out there at random and then never Never them address them you. again, like they do on Pretty Little Liars. On, on a lot of shows. <laughs> Pretty Little Liars does it. I mean, Lost used to do that all the time. As much right. as I loved that show, they would always throw things out, and you would really never understand what it meant or why. But it seems like Ryan Murphy and co. aren't going to do that here. That they, right, they're giving they're us... They're promising us... Through these episodes, they're making a promise that we have answers for everything. Right. And you'll, you'll, we'll always tell them to you. And you'll eventually get them in sooner rather than later. Right. Which is great. But you're so used to being strung along at this... So at this point, when you get information so soon, you're like, what? Right. I didn't need to know that yet. I know. <laughs> but maybe we did. And it, I mean, it does... They do almost beg more questions, which I think is good. Right. It spurs along your desire to watch and want to know more mm-hmm. rather than just watch just to learn one thing. So I do think it's good and it's smart and it's um it's a rewarding sort of thing for the viewer at least. Yeah, I for think. sure. But so we see this week, you know, we understand now how Moira has died. Um, we still don't really understand why she's still there if she's dead. And we still don't know if Constance is living or not. Right. 
And that's, I think, a big question. Right. That maybe is the bigger question than, than Moira. I think that it matters more to the storyline. And it also seems like Constance might not have been affected by the house like other house owners had been in the past. Well, unless, except it led her to murder her husband. With reason. <laughs> <laughs> I think it still is a pretty big effect. Well, yeah. But I, I see what you mean. Yeah. She, she sort of seems to have gotten out of it unscathed. Yes. As as we believe so far. Mm-hmm. But we we come to find out that all of Ben's passing out is really him having been drugged. The doctor, after running those tests, finds in his blood panels a drug called lawadnum, which we looked up and is an opiate. Lawadnum? Lawadnum. How do you spell that? I wrote it down. L-A-U-D-A-N-U-M for all of you at home. I think it's laudanum. Laudanum. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Lawadnum. <laughs> is this new drug? It's called lawadnum. You ever heard of it? Well, anyway. <laughs> Sorry. It causes retrograde memory loss. But Which that's... was interesting that it that he's being drugged with that. Because if you remember in the flashback scene when the first girl came for the first abortion with she Nora, she was fed something that and she told her, this will help you forget. Right. So it seems to be a common theme. Yes, this, a common thread. Right. But we, the show sort of infers that while he's been being drugged, you know, he comes to th- realize he's been being drugged by Moira. He outright asks her and she just says, prove it, which pretty much spells out, yeah, she's been drugging him. Right. She's been drugging his coffee because all the entire episode, she's constantly giving him coffee, putting coffee in his hand, pouring the coffee. She's always made it. It's not something that he needs to take care of. So clearly she's been drugging him. We right. don't know why because he can't remember why. So he's been digging these holes and we see once Larry is going to dig the hole deeper to bury Hayden that there was another body and as he sort of is paying his respects, he takes his hat off when he's holding the skull. He seems to be kind of taken aback and feels some sort of something. I, I've definitely noticed that. It was definitely he was taking a moment to he's dug up a grave right that he didn't expect to dig i was kind of shocked that he didn't say something to yeah. ben i'm like why if you're gonna pay your respects to the dead person in the grave which is all right an interesting choice after you just killed somebody why not say something to the homeowner right why not be like hey by the way there's another dead body down here it's another one of those things just why, so you know why not say the girl vanished you know people just don't That's say true. Things people just say. don't talk people come and go so strangely right. here but as he digs this body up, not only does he find the skull, but he finds what looks like the lace doily that is part of Moira's outfit. Right. And the camera pulls back and it reveals Moira crying in the window. Moira is her old self crying in the window. And eventually the hole is filled. Ben decides to build a gazebo. He takes Constance's advice and pours concrete, pours a concrete slab over the hole and builds a gazebo. And Moira, throughout this, is is in the window watching and crying. And Constance appears behind her and says, now you're stuck here forever. Yep. So, leading us to believe that these, if you die, this is is my inference from this, that a person who dies on the property, Mm -hmm. whose body is left on the property, is stuck on the property. Moira cannot leave. We see in that earlier argument with Moira and Constance, she, they're arguing and she breaks down and says, I, you think I want to be here? I don't want to be here anymore. I'm, it frightens me. I miss my mother. Which is really weird. Really an odd. <laughs> it's like an odd thing, an odd choice, I think, for the writers to have put that out there unless... Which I think is it's a, it's a clue. It is definitely a clue. Yeah, because it's so bizarre. It's like out of left field. Right. I miss my mother. Right. And Constance just kind of comes back at her and says, every time I find my heart breaking just a sliver for you, I remember that you're the one who, you you did this to yourself. Right. And she says, which I thought was illuminating, was Constance says, I'm stuck here just like you are. You think I want to be in, in this mess of death or something to that effect? I don't, but I am anyway, so suck it up, basically. Right. She tells her to find a way to deal with it. And... But Constance seems to be able to get away. 
get away for some reason. And Moira doesn't seem to exist except, except for in, in the, the house. house. Or on the property because we didn't right. see her in the yard. But within the gates, within the confines of the compound. The property lines of the home. But right. Constance, not so much. Right. Well, we saw Constance in her own house last week. Right. So we know that she can come and go. Whether she's alive or not is another question. Exactly. <laughs> but she can still come and go. But so we see Moira, and I, that that scene, her crying and her realizing that she's stuck here forever now that this concrete, this thing, this gazebo has been built, that did break my heart. That was like, but you it know was what? sad. I think that's awful. Her, her spirit's never going to be able to move on unless, for some reason, the gazebo, as Rob Mendez in my high school called him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no one ever corrected him. Gazebo. Oh. Um. Where was I going with this? You were talking you're sad for her, but... But that doesn't warrant her actions, her current actions. You know, she might, she may be stuck there, and she's saying that she wants to go, but she doesn't have to drug Ben. She doesn't have to taunt him. I mean, there's all these things that she doesn't have to do that she's doing anyway. Right. Well, Unless my, my, impression, like a power. my impression of her drugging Ben... Ooh. Which every time he was drugged, led him to dig. Right, was that her drugging him was to get him to dig up her body. Right, and she was using something where he wouldn't remember why he was digging. So I kind of what I got from this episode was that she comes onto these men and she drugs them so that when they are drugged, they she can come onto them and get them to do something for her where they won't remember because all she wants is her body up so she can take it and go. And I kind of understand that now. Mm. That was that was what right. was sort of propelling her, at least this week, to do what she was doing. Because this she wants week. out of there. Right. And I think that we saw Constance doesn't want her gone. You know, Constance's initial conversation with Ben about telling him to pour concrete over, that was to get that body to be stuck there. Right. She wants Moira just as stuck for forever. Well, I feel like Constance has this thing like if I'm going to be stuck here you're going to be stuck stuck here here I'm not doing this alone (laughs) we're in this for the long haul right so interesting I mean it was it was was, I don't know that last scene was really it It was touching you know it it really was broke my heart a little for her anyway let's take a commercial break and we'll be right back (gasps) the biggest new media platform on the web just got bigger Smoother streaming, lightning, fast download. And get technical with me. After Buzz TV is making the jump to hyperspace. Join the fun at your number one source for after show entertainment. Look at the size of that thing. After Buzz TV. Welcome back. <laughs> that quick commercial break. Very quick commercial break. Welcome back to AfterBuzz for American Horror Story. I'm sure you haven't forgotten where you were watching. No, um, not two seconds. <laughs> again, I'm your host, Billy Nels, here with David Schifoletti. We just uh, broke down the episode from last night. So we've been doing this for the past couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. It's a fun thing we're doing for the month of October. You've watched American Horror Story. You have gotten excited about horror films and you want to continue the topics that you've seen in film form. Well, we're here to help you out. We have... At least been, try to help you right, out. Right. <laughs> give, you, give you something to continue your fun. We've been bringing you movie suggestions that sort of touch on a theme that you've seen this week in American Horror Story. And this week, our movie isn't so much a horror film, but more a thriller. Mm-hmm. But definitely... Um, Something that was clearly an influence this week. Um, we want to talk about Fatal Attraction. Yes. Um, the infamous 1987 movie with uh, Michael Douglas, Glenn Close, and Ann Archer about a married man who has a one-night stand with a colleague that comes back to haunt him. Um, crazy woman who becomes completely unhinged, begins to stop Glenn the Close family. is just Right. To I believe die. that she won. Did she win an Oscar for that movie? Uh, she was at, she least, was at nominated. least nominated for that film. Because it's a great, great movie. Totally, I mean, Hayden is very clearly Glenn Close's character. For it sure. Just transplanted into American Horror Story. Yeah. I mean, watching it, it was almost like, you know, those scenes when she starts screaming, I'm not crazy. 
that I was just taken back to when she, I will not be ignored when Alice is screaming <laughs> in Fatal Attraction, she screams, I will not be ignored. And it definitely seems to be an influence on Ryan Murphy in, in the creation of this character. It's definitely like a mirror. Right. I think for... Right. And for if you're everything a fan that of, happened. If you're a fan of rabbits, watch it with one eye closed. Because <laughs> you won't like something that happened. But it's a great film. Um, and it, you'll definitely notice some um, influences on this week's episode. Um, but having said that, let's jump into some news and gossip for this week. Let's do it. After Buzz oh, yeah. TV News. All right, so Entertainment Weekly Twitter interview with Ryan Murphy. They Ooh. asked, at the end of last week's episode, Vivian insisted they will move. Will the Harmons move out of the house? Ryan Murphy replied, yes, they will move out of the house, but not at the same time. Obviously, this marriage is mm. in trouble. Interesting. Very. That's what we were just talking about. Yeah. Uh, the next question, why did Constance help Tate and Moira dispose of the bodies at the end of last week's episode? Ryan replied, Constance is a drama queen for one. Also, she has an eerie connection to both Tate and Moira. Hmm. Yeah, we've seen this week her, obviously, eerie connection to Moira. Yes. I'm so excited to see what her eerie connection is to Tate. Well, we saw Tate twice this episode. Very briefly. Once with, very briefly with Violet, and the other time he was standing in the window and Constance, Constance waves, was waving at him and he doesn't her. acknowledge. Very odd. Right. So I'm, I, I want to know what And the is. realtor couldn't see Tate. Well, he had backed away before she had turned because mm. she saw Constance waving first. Right. So I think they did that to make us see if the woman could see him or not to make us still question that. Right. Because it could have been he had just actually left the window frame. But still very, I want to know what this means. I'm excited to learn. Me too. Casting news. With former Heroes star Zachary Quinto coming soon to American Horror Story cast, Ryan Murphy and company have found just found a companion for his character. Oh. As you'll recall, Quinto plays a gay interior designer named Chad who used to be the owner of the show's centerpiece haunted house. Chad has a supportive lesbian friend named Peggy who will be played by Kathleen Rose Perkins who previously had a recurring characters on Fox's Till Death and Showtime's episode, as well as had guest stints on ABC's Private Practice, Castle, and Grey's Anatomy. Perkins will appear in the, at least one episode this season. Meanwhile, American Horror Story got some very good news today when they serialized show perked up in the, the ratings for the third episode. Yay. Good for them. This actress, you might not know her by name, but I did watch Showtime's episodes, and it's fun. It's interesting because she's a very good comedic actress. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to see what she's going to bring to this and whether this role is meant to be more on the comedic side because it's a it's an odd choice. I actually have she, no idea who she is. She um, you'll, she does a lot of bit parts, so you might recognize her by her face. Right, and I just um, don't know her name. Yeah, but she, it'll be interesting. I, I'm interested to see what because, like I said, in I mean her credits here, till death and episodes, those are both comedies. So it'll be interesting to see. Right, but she was on Grey's Anatomy and Castle, yeah. which are more dramas. Right. So it'll be interesting to see what, what she brings. So I'm excited for that. We also have a Hollywood Reporter interview that they did with um, Alexander Breckenridge, who plays Moira as her younger self, mm. um, that went up on the internet yesterday. Um, they talked about the origin of the Don't Make Me Kill You Again line. Um, saying that perhaps the most chilling line of dialogue from the pilot, which Constance delivered to the Elda Moira, will be explained, which we saw last night. Um, Ryan Murphy said, in episode three, you see Constance kill her. She's trapped. That's one of the rules we get into in future episodes. Why can't they leave? It's explained. Alexander Breckenridge noted that Moira's loyalties, despite being more than obedient to Constance, are to the house. Most of Moira's purpose is trying to get her body dug up so she can get out of there and move on which is what we saw tonight. Right. So it'll be interesting to see where Moira goes from here now that there is this structure that's built over her grave. Right. Um, and mm. they went on in the interview to say, um, there's a reason the spirits, including both versions of Moira, continue to haunt the joint. As- essentially, if you pass away on the property and your body remains there, you're stuck in the house, Breckenridge offers. Frances Conroy, who plays the elder Moira, said the explanation of everyone and why they're there is quite moving and why the house is revealing so much. It's a deep, deep story and you learn a lot. Hmm. And then finishing things off 
Alexandra Breckenridge teases that her young seductress has a bigger role than merely tempting men, like Ben, with fidelity issues. It's sort of her vengeance on how she died, the actress notes. She also enjoys teasing and being dominant. Look for more to be explained in the supersized 90-minute Halloween episode, including Ooh. which woman young Moira reveals herself to. So, I'm excited to see who the woman is, number one. Her looking for vengeance, I think, is something that is making more sense. Yes. She's angry at men, at husbands who did this to her. Right. I. It's definitely going to have to be a new woman. A new character. Yeah. Obviously, young Moira reveals two, herself to. Yeah. Because we only really know two women. All right. So we're going to jump into some quick predictions. We've only got a couple of minutes before we have to say goodbye for the evening. Yes, unfortunately. Now, you're after Buzz TV. Predictions. Okay. So, I've written down some questions I'm going to ask you. Okay. For your oh my god, I'm so scared. Okay. Okay. One, we heard that in our interview that we read with Alexander Breckenridge that when bodies die on the property and are buried there, they're stuck there. Right. Hayden died on the property and she's stuck there. Is right. Hayden Is Hayden coming back? Are you on the board with me? That Hayden's Oh yeah, Hayden's not gone. Not gone. Right. So but I don't see. know if Hayden's going to be someone who's revealing herself to everybody in the house or just, just taunting Ben. Right. We'll have to wait and see. Okay. So the baby that we saw in the flashback of the Montgomery's that we saw was wearing yes. the same thing. Do we think that something, where do you think this is going? Do we think that I, this is my prediction that Dr. Montgomery, when he went completely insane, did something in his Frankenstein quest to that baby. I agree. I'm with you. And that's what's in the basement. Well, I think there's no reason why they would tell us that he was a surgeon, that he had a Frankenstein, had a Frankenstein complex, complex, and he was completely strung out on drugs, both him and his wife, and then also show us that they had a child, and in this episode, Nora said, I used to want, I once had a baby. Right. Something happened to that child. Right. Okay. And the last thing really quick. So they teased in the interview that a woman is going to be or is going to see young Moira. We also found out in casting information that a lesbian character was going to come into play. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of guessing that that might be the character who Moira reveals herself to. It seems to be somebody who uh, could be sexually attracted to Moira, sees Moira as the sexually attractive version of that herself. That makes sense. Now, do you think that the lesbian character is a living character or also a dead character? I think... I, because Zachary Quinto coming back is, is not a living character. That character is dead. Right. I think that she might be dead. Interesting. Well. What do you think? I don't know. I mean, if she's coming back with Quinto and they're like playing off each other, she's dead. Right. If she's not playing off of that character, she's living. But why would she come back to the house where her friend died? Right. I don't know. Things to ponder until Things next week. Ponder. And with that, we're going to say goodnight. Thank you for tuning in. Everyone here at After Buzz thanks you. Have a great week. We'll come back for some more therapy next week. Good night. From producers Kevin Undergaro and Phil Svitek, engineer DJ Jesse Janity, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. If you have questions or comments, be sure to buzz us at info at AfterBuzzTV.com. And you can find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter by searching for AfterBuzzTV. Buzz you later. After buzz. After buzz. After buzz. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principal. 